What's up and welcome back to another Kind of Funny's HBO Last of Us Breakdown. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes and I am joined by the new face of video games, Blessing Adioye Jr. Good morning, Tim. Joining us as well for the first time on this show, the Nitro Rifle, Andy Cortez. Hey, baby girl. And rounding oh. out the group today, it's the OG Joel himself, Troy Baker. My goodness. Thank you, guys. I am loving my coffee this morning. Let yeah. me tell oh, you yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> nice little victory a... lap after last night. <laughs> oh, man, it was cause for celebration. We had a good little crew over here last night, and it was just, I, I'm, 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 several people have said this. I'm so glad that like event viewing is back. You oh, know, oh, like, yeah. this is, I'm glad that they didn't just drop all the episodes. It's, you know, it's on HBO's vibe anyway, but just to be able to go like, this is what you're doing tonight, and to bring friends over and, and kind of do that was. We liked it a lot. There were there were many bottles of many things that were open last night. I, I love that. I'm so proud of you. So excited to talk to you about all of that, all of that, the entire show overall, really. Uh, but this is kind of funny screencast where each and every week we get together to break down the latest in TV, movies, and trailers. Of course, you can get it on YouTube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. You could also get it as a podcast by searching your favorite podcast service for kind of funny screencast and we'll be right there for you if you wanted to get the show ad free though you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny just like our patreon producers nathan lamoth tripod plus plus trent barry james hastings and casey andrew have done we appreciate all of you so very very much uh today we're brought to you by shady rays and join honey but i'll tell you about that later we got to get into this last of us episode eight now at the top of the show i want to say we're going full spoilers so full spoilers for <laughs> everything the last of us whether it's this episode whether it's the game the sequel to the game the comic books anything about last of us is fair play troy i want to start with you okay. what was last night's episode like for you it's funny because I doing the podcast with HBO along with Craig and Neil, they were kind enough to let me uh, see the episodes before they're even finished. So I'm, I'm watching episodes that are um, no VFX, no final mix, um, ADR still needed, notes from the producers. Um, so I get to watch it like twice. It's like opening up a Christmas present twice. Um, and so I, I watched my episode, episode, it's 109, but episode 8. Um, several weeks ago. And so I've been able to kind of sit with it and, and dissect it and, and do like my own little retrospective on it. I've had the benefit of being able to talk to the showrunners about it. But last night was just different. Last night, it's I'm not watching it on an iPad that still needs work. It's not a work in progress anymore. It's out in the wild. It's a real thing. And I'm watching it with my friends. We're in our living room. And I get to watch this just a show that I'm I'm in, but more than anything, I'm I'm just observing it as as a passenger, and everything just really hit with this episode. Um, the the pacing of it, which we could talk about in a little bit, because there's a lot of stuff, not a lot of stuff, but there's definitely some editing choices that were made that that helped the pace, including cutting some of the scenes that I was in, and I've never really had this kind of perspective on something that I've been in. Um, because I'm, I've, I just, I don't think this will ever happen again. Just the, the pure components of my involvement of it, the timeline on it, um, how much it's been such a cultural event and, and the ways that I've been able to participate. But last night, man, was just such a joyous celebration. And I'm glad that Neil was there. You know, we, we've been on this journey now for over a decade and it just felt right for him to, to be, we literally sat next to each other. We were super cute on my couch. <laughs> I love that. But, um, it was, uh, 
it was an incredible, incredible night. That's so awesome. Troy, I want to talk to you about so much more detail about all those things, but let's go around cool. the table, give our thoughts on this episode. Andy, what'd you think? Pretty much perfect. Like I, I think the small additions that they had, like just kind of evened out the story even more than it already could have been, right? Like this has always been a really uh, fan favorite portion of the game, right? We go in there, this is our time to take over Ellie. This is our time to kind of see what she's made of, right? She's at her lowest right now. Joel is at his lowest. How are they going to get out of this situation? And I just really love what they added with David and his crew. I love the just the, those little initial lines of, can we bury him? Like, well, it's too cold to dig into the dirt right now. We'll, wait, we'll bury him in the spring or whatever. And you know what that's alluding to. And you know that he's not going to get buried. I just love everything that was added there. The tension was great. I thought, like a lot of characters, what's going to be the live adaptation of this, right? You're always kind of worried, is, is the live adaptation going to hit as good as the in-game version? David is amazing in this. The whole crew is amazing. Troy Baker's fucking amazing in this. Like, all of it is just so great. Love this episode. Bless. Yeah, I also love this episode. To me, this is another example of why The Last of Us original game is so good. Because this episode, I would say, is probably the closest aligned with how things panned out in the game out of all the episodes we've gotten so far, the adaptation. Line for line, there are so many moments where I'm saying the next line because I, don't, I know exactly what they're teeing up next. Uh, it was fun. I was watching this episode with a friend who's not played through The Last of Us game and getting their perspective and their ideas of what's going on, seeing the scene where they're talking about, is, okay, well, what meat is this? Oh, it's venison. And then like they look at me and they're like, is, it, is that venison? Like, is it, they brought in the deer after, like, they got the food. What is that meat? Like, what's going on there? Me just didn't sit there like, I don't, like, I don't know, man. What kind of meat is it? It's probably deer. It's probably venison. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that stuff was great. The um, even though this episode stuck so close to the game, the changes they made I thought were interesting. Uh, seeing the end where Bell Ramsey once again kills in performance, her oh, going off God. on David, right? Like that was so intense. But also, they're doing the thing where they are feeding into i think where the next seasons are going to go right where, where we know uh, ellie is going to go and last is part two i think the way they went about that stuff was fantastic and yeah i think this is just an, another great episode yeah what about you tim i mean i'm right there with all of you guys like this was it was incredible and watching it with gia who has not experienced the game for the first time is so special because it's just so well paced and we are so familiar with the story that like beat to beat like we're waiting for this to happen and all the foreshadowing all the the lines in the setup we're like okay cool that's gonna set up this or the changes you're like huh that's different how are they gonna connect these things and i find that every time that they do there's some clever way that makes me go this is brilliant. I love how different this adaptation can be. Like these are both two beautiful pieces of art that can live next to each other. And uh, specifically talking about the pacing, I feel like we mentioned that a lot about this episode. It just worked. Like the amount of things accomplished in this one hour. And you can say that about most of the episodes of the show where it really kind of just builds on itself, but also has a bunch of really contained stories. And the amount of times in the uh, post episode breakdown things are on Troy's HBO uh, podcast for it. Like the amount of times they've talked about the theme of love and how every episode is about love in a different way and like what love can do to you. Um, I'm just so impressed with that, not just being lip service, but actually really being sewn throughout the tapestry of this entire show. And on an episode-by-episode episode, uh, basis, be able to show those elements in such beautiful ways and terrifying ways. And um, imbuing 
the religious side of things into this, I thought was a, a really wise call. And uh, we, we talk a lot about how the show has humanized a lot of the, the antagonists in ways that um, are a bit more familiar to Last of Us Part Two. Um, and I kind of making the tone of the last of Us story fit more into setting up the uh, last of Us part two's like tone and vibe. Um, I feel like they did such a good job of humanizing David and his people, but not in the way of making him a sympathetic character, but just yeah. more of like making him feel like, Oh, I understand how he came to power. And I, everything that he talks about, especially to Ellie of being open and raw with her, with the terrifying shit that he's saying to her, like, that could be happening right that is happening right now like it is a cult there is a lot mm -hmm. of those elements and um just being able to trust somebody in a, a position of power um and the, the the dangers of what can come with with somebody that's charismatic kind of taken over it's like damn they really they really went there with this and the the choice at the end to let this version of ellie just just go at it without joel stopping her i thought was very powerful especially to people that have played the game because it's like they made the choice to change that. They mm -hmm. wanted this to be different. And again, we're now eight episodes into this and every single one feels like, oh, the action of the game's toned down because it's not a video game. But somehow the scale of, I sent four guys, only three came back. When it is only one death, it somehow means more. It's like, it, 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 even it, we connect with that in a different way where it's like, there's a grounded realism to it that I, I it, it hits very, very, very hard. Yeah. One thing I want to shout out to, I think Bear was tweeting about this last night, but the I liked how violent this episode was, and I think it stood out because up until now, like there's been a lot of violent moments in the show, but it's not been as violent as the video game, right? Because it's not a video game. But seeing Joel pop up and fucking <laughs> shake a guy in the neck, right? And seeing Ellie just fucking, yeah, again, go off on David and seeing these moments where it's like seeing Ellie break David's finger. I, the kneecap, I, man. The knee, Ooh, yeah, the kneecap. I couldn't shit. watch that. God, that, and, and that scene was so good as well. I like, couldn't again, watch the needle in the wound. Couldn't, uh. The needle in the wound <laughs> fucked me up a bit. But yeah, like <laughs> all the moments where, one, like they are really doubling down on, hey, let's make the violent moments matter. But then also, yeah, like the the moments where they are adapting directly from the game i love the knee thing hey like you know point to where we're at point to where the the town is oh man uh, i'm not gonna tell you shit don't worry i believe him and then taking him taking him out i think those moments to me stand out even more because of how they treated the show up until now and i think it's great yeah and then of course there's the the fleshing out of the character buddy boy where we get james in this <laughs> troy like what what was that like like what was kind of the the direction for you in terms of fleshing out a character that in the game was kind of just a stand-in. I think 100%. Like, when, when Neil brought it to me, he was like, so I think we have a character for you. I was like, okay, great. Who's it going to be? Which clicker? You know, what's, you know, do I at least get a name? He's like, you get a name. It's James. I was like, oh, my God, dude, thank you. <laughs> Who's James? He's <laughs> like, like, buddy boy. I went, oh, my God. And to me, that's kind of, and to your point, this is what the show has been able to do, which is let's, build upon let's fly or tim as you said flesh out this world and show that this affected this at its core is definitely about these two people making their way through this world it's about joel and ellie but everybody that we meet along the way in some way serves as a counterpoint to those two people sometimes either or or sometimes and and for james i was like well here's the challenge how do i make him not a henchman you know he served a purpose in the game and that's all he needed to do we couldn't tell everybody's story but for this, we have an opportunity to, once again, slow down, zoom in, and tell a little bit more of who these people are. Because if it's just David with faceless, nameless people back here, 
then it's not as compelling. It's not as sympathetic, which I, I think there is. The, the more that you can imbue some form of empathy with your antagonist or with your enemy, then that makes for a more compelling um, experience for either the viewer or the player. And for Ellie, then we're, we're at now with her on this. So there's this great moment when we're in the sawmill where they laugh together. And that to me was like a wonderful moment. It's like, what are you, some kind of cult leader? And she's, she's throwing these jabs and he is just deflecting every single one of his, ah, well, you kind of got me there. Uh, I am a preacher. And when she says, why did you just went from, you know, teacher to preacher because of fucking rhymes, like something like that. They're, they're having this, they're almost more of a banter than even Ellie and Joel have at that point. And that to me is what makes that relationship truly, truly dangerous because you see her slipping closer towards the line of being not right next to Joel. And while she's not physically there, now we're starting to see of what does she look like when she is on her own? So how James comes into that is I know, I recognize that David is the devil, but I would much rather be at the right hand of the devil than to be on the wrong side of him. So as long as I keep myself right next to him as his right-hand man, I'm in, I'm in a good spot. I'm not going to end up in the stew. But the problem is, is that this girl shows up and she is more David's equal than I am because she is capable. She's loyal. And as David says, you have a violent heart. And that's something that lie. James does not have. So one of my favorite scenes is when, you know, I'm, I'm, I wish I could show you, like, it doesn't look that impressive on camera, but I actually got to do this stunt where I run around the back and I go through this backyard and it's all ice. Like it's, it's cold where we're at. And I run around this back and it's, uh, I'm in boots and we can't really use the crampons because you would see them and it would just look fake. Like I'm wearing cleats. So I'm running in boots and I have to clock this fence clock Ellie on the horse, but wait, because there's trees there, and Cameron needs to be able to see me, so there's a hole in the trees that's perfect for the shot. And so I'm waiting for that, then I clock this tree stump, plant my foot on that single-hand pole vault over this rickety chain-link fence while holding a rifle, turn on a dime 90 degrees, and then take off towards the 360, tree. 360 no-scope, man. <laughs> out. He's a real gamer, like, dude. What up, nice. dude? <laughs> So we, we do all that, but then, you know, James has this great opportunity where he's tracking the, the horse. He shoots callous tear. Yeah. Um, Ellie goes, fine. He goes, I got her, meaning I've stopped it. She's no longer a threat. She's not going to get away. But when it comes to leveling that weapon at a girl in the snow, he chokes. He can't do it because there is some humanity in him. He doesn't have a violent heart. So it was building everything upon that precipice. And this guy is not a believer. He doesn't, he recognizes what David is doing, which is what tyrants and oppressors like him for generations have been doing, which is to, when, when people are robbed or depleted of the physical food, warmth, shelter, then the only thing you have to offer as commerce is the intangible faith and hope and belief. So he's, He's weaponized those three things, and that is how he asserts his control over these people. Yeah, it's it's wild. And the, the violence in the heart line I thought was so powerful, and that's unique to the show. That wasn't originally in the game. And um, him being like, I, I've always had a violent heart. Like, that 
it just hit me so hard because it's like, fuck, man, like that's the real shit. We're dealing with that even like now in real life pre-apocalypse. But what does that do when an actual apocalypse happens and that that type of person can thrive and kind of control uh, people and, and become in the position that David's in? And also just going to the, the pacing of this season overall, uh, to get to this episode, we've been introduced to so many different groups, so many different characters, and we, we've learned that there are friends out there. There are many enemies out there. Sometimes that can change. Sometimes it starts as one and ends at the other. Sometimes uh, even in, in good intentions with like Sam and Henry, it's like they're friends, but then they turn into clickers, a, a different type of antagonist. And uh, to get here, when you see David for the first time, we know because we played the game. But when you're just watching it, you're like, is he good? Is he bad? Yeah. I mean, I honestly had that, right? Because I didn't, I, going to the show, you don't know what changes the show is going to make back and forth. You know, we've seen the hunters when they get to Kansas City. And that was one where in the game, they're pretty much faceless, right? You go through and you, you murk them all. In the show, they give them more of the character, right? They give them a leader. They um, paint this uh, back and forth that they had with Fedra. Here, when we get to Davis group, for a while, I was like, Oh, what if they're, what if they like paint them as completely redeemable? Which, like, I wouldn't count out of the question because that feels so much in line with where we've seen the show or the game go, uh, go with Lastus Part 2. I like that they teetered that line a little bit, but then we, at the end of the day, it's like, no, these guys, these guys are evil. But what I loved about it is they presented it in a way that it was like a slow burn of, this, they could be good. This could yeah. be good. He could be helpful. And in the game, they had to have the whole uh, action scene of uh, David and Ellie kind of shooting the the clickers together. And that was like their bonding moment. Mm -hmm. I feel like in this one, they did such a good job of it just being the conversation because they're real people together. So there is that like human element where you start to believe him. You start to see her put the gun down just a little, but not fully. Like she's still like on her toes. And you're like, is he good? I don't know what's going on. And then when uh, he sees that... Troy is pointing the gun. He's like, you can put the gun down and all that. There's that moment of, wait, oh, he's bad. Oh, he still could be good. Mm. And then once they get back, it just ratchets up. And I love how the slow burn turns to like dropping off a cliff to evil. Like, what, they, what was it they the don't slap hold... for you? What was, what was the, the moment where I mean, you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah the slap is the moment. Because <laughs> right? the slap for me, I was like, oh, Straight damn, up. oh, shit, all right. Here that slap is the thing of like, oh, you, you're bad. Even if you're, <laughs> you're taking care of people, you're a bad person. And from that moment on, it's like, not only, okay, he slapped her, and then he's a cannibal, and then he's a pedophile, and then it's like it's just like they just go boom, boom, boom so fast with it, but it's believable because that is who this person is. And like in the same way he's tricking this group of people into believing him, he's tricking us into thinking he's good as well. It's that line. It's a three-step thing, too, with that slap. So there's there's three beats that happen that I think are so cool. First of all, the prelude of just the walking up slowly, which is great, but then... There's the slap, there's the stop hand to the mom, sit down, you know what to do, and then it's the hand to pick her up. Yep. And that, to me, was such a beautiful directorial choice, and it's also in the writing of, it's, it's a correction, and it's that how people that are in, um, that assert themselves in abusive relationships make themselves both the punisher and the purifier, the protector and the punisher. It's like, I'm, I'm here to help you. You understand why I had to do this, right? And it makes it more about them. It's a terrifying thing. That, to me, is what made him evil. Even before we do this, they did this great camera move on David, which was very, very, like, to me, sinister. And it's like, the turn happens. His performance never changes. Everything happens for a reason, and it's just that slow pushing on him that frames him. And that's camera telling you who David is. Um, that, to me, is where 
because whereas before we've kind of framed him, like you said, Tim, very kind of like, is he good? There's nothing like we're not doing any evil lighting on him or anything. We're painting him in the same light as Ellie and everybody else. He's and it's just the brightest light because this and episode is the brightest is light. Yeah. Very stark. Very, very stark. But that one camera push in is definitely how we transition David. And then, like you said, it's like, then we get this reveal. Then we get all of these other elements of David. And there's one at the very end that I think I, I didn't catch it until even last night, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's the, the hand to raise up. Hey, it, sure. I will be the one to hurt you, but also, Hey, I'm here for you if you ever need me. And also the line that followed that about the father was just, Oh my God. Yeah. Such a kick in the fucking teeth. But, yeah. Yeah. but you receive that as, this is the savior. This is my father now. This is the person who's here to watch over us. And and he reiterates that many times in the episode. Like, they need a father out there. Really, really fucked up. But I think the episode just also, again, sort of, is this guy good? Is this dude good? I love the line of, go get, uh, go talk to Vincent or whatever about the, um, medicine. the, the medicine, the antibiotics, right. blah, blah, blah. And, like, I'm not speaking in code, James. Go get yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, code, you know? James. And that throws the audience off a bit. And then we get that moment of, yeah, we had three of our, four of our guys go out. One of them died to one man, one violent man with a young girl with him. And you get that, oh, shit, is this guy bad? And then he goes, put down the gun, James. Give, toss her the medicine. Like, you still kind of have that hope yeah. that this dude, we can bring you in, Ellie. You know, we can bring you in. You know, yes, we are kind of low right now, but... We're, we can make it through this. I know you're not alone. I know you're, or I know you're struggling out there. I know you don't have a big group with you. All of those little seeds being planted in the audience. I, uh, part of me like wishes I just didn't know about what happens yeah. in this story because I would have loved to experience it for the first time. But it's just done so masterfully well. It reminds me like I think my first time experiencing like the cannibal um like that sort of thing in a post-apocalypse story might have been Walking Dead season um, one, the game. Uh, I think it was like episode two or three where you get to a house and it's like, oh, these are nice people. And that turned to realizing that they're cannibals. I remember playing that and being like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on here? I would have loved to have that with this because I think to me that is such a, oh, man, all right, you that's the lesson, right? If, if, if it's your first kind of post-apocalypse show or first kind of zombie show, right, where it's like, oh, you really can't trust anybody in this world. Like anybody could be out to get you. Yeah. Which is something that Maria tells us, right, in, in previous episodes, like be careful who you place your trust um, and this is a, one of the first opportunities for this to happen because now she is put into a position to put that into practice. And it's like, am I going to listen to the people? She says, you're very, very smart. When Maria says, you're very, very smart. This, this is the lesson. Be careful in whom you put your, uh, put your trust. The, the thing that I, I think is interesting of, of how we've been able to personalize these people, like even with Brian with that episode before, is like my mom is just far, kind of just when, when Joel's coming in to, to kill that guy when we first get into the town. Um, it's moments like that where if we can, again, when we're playing a game, there's, there's things that we have to do in order to keep the pace up for it to feel like we're making an impact in this world. And we just don't have to do as much with the show. But there's there's great opportunities where I think playing the game and for people like us who have such a familiarity with it, we're waiting for that thing to happen. We're waiting for that line. We're waiting for the perfect scene that that, that just matches to our expectation. But like 
There was a there was a thing that we shot where James kind of really kind of stalks in through the window. We're kind of catching him in the background as he's you know creeping up on Ellie. The problem is is that it ruins the reveal. Exactly what you were saying, which is is he good? And then it's like lower the gun, James. That's the moment of turn. Up to then, you're still kind of along for the ride. There was another moment where the, the whole what we're actually eating. Um, needed to be a reveal the audience needed to discover that when ellie does we can set it up by a little bit of things but there was some stuff that i did that in that whole scene where we're right after the slap and then we all get our portions um is one of my favorite things the uh nelson who played uh, josiah is is across from me and i sit down and i'm watching all this this prayer happen and I'll tell you guys this. Ali Abbasi, who's our director, comes to me. And he's like, everyone's praying. I was like, yeah. He goes, you're not praying. Went, no. He's like, everybody's praying. I was like, yeah. He goes, you should be praying. Went, no, I'm not going to pray. And that's like, that's not, that's not who this guy is. I am observing. I am on the outside. If you look everywhere James is when he's with the people, he's after all the people leave. He stays behind with David. When he comes into the door, David enters the room and and. James stays on the outside. That's that's who he doesn't want to think. There's like this moral superiority that he's trying to maintain, that he's not with these people. And so we, we watch, and I have to tell you, every one of those extras, those background people sat there all day long eating <laughs> stew. Eating human. <laughs> eating stew. And ever, I mean, there were people you didn't see, they're like licking the bowls. Every take was just full sail going for it. And... <laughs> I did this thing where I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm just watching all of this happen and I'm, I'm judging these people and I'm saying, that's not going to be me. I can still retain my humanity. And then Josiah puts a bowl down in front of me and he doesn't break eye contact. This is not in the script at all. It's just a choice that two actors decided to make on the day. And he takes his spoon. He doesn't break eye contact with me and just starts eating. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And then I look over at David and David gives me this look like, pick up that spoon and eat. And I did, but there's this hesitation, and then there's this moment where, and this is what you actually see, where he eats, and he's just like, oh, fuck, that's good. Oh, no. Oh, no. And you watch this ebbing of his, both his humanity and also this moral superiority, this thin veneer of, of superiority start to strip away. That's a great scene in an abstraction, but the problem is it completely tips the hand of these people are not eating venison. <laughs> so it's like, you have to make these decisions I'm rambling on, but you have to make these decisions about what there are millions of people that have never experienced this story before. And what's the best version of this for them? Yeah. I, I love that. I want to keep talking about all this and Troy, that was fantastic. It's so <laughs> cool that we have you on this show, uh, but real quick, I wanted to give you all a word from our sponsors. Shout out to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. Look how cool I look. You too can look this cool. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and so much more. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. They'll also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order. 
and have donated over 20 million meals to date. That's fantastic. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back exclusively for y'all listeners and watchers right now. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the new year. You can go to ShadyRays.com and use code KINDAFUNNY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. These are five star rated by over 200,000 people. Again, that's ShadyRays.com. Use the code kinda funny shout out to honey for sponsoring this episode honey is the easy way to save when shopping on your iphone or computer and thanks to honey manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past and we all know there's nothing better than the feeling of saving money honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart when you check out the honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons you wait a few seconds you see the fun little dancing guy honey searches for coupons and it finds you the best ones and then you just watch the prices drop we here at kind of funny have been using honey for years and it's helped us save thousands on tech costumes food you name it honestly i just love how easy it is to just set and forget and save that's the best part honey doesn't just work on desktops it works on your phone too you just activate it on safari on your phone you save on the go if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out you can get paypal honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kind of funny that's joinhoney.com slash kind of funny felt to be in character i really needed to eat a person. A person. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, Troy. Uh, real quick, I wanted to talk a little bit. I, I mentioned this earlier about how bright this episode is. Like the amount yeah. of snow is it, distracting, and, and it really kind of like creates that sense of urgency and cold even more. Where we're dealing with like the darkest story possible, but it is uh, being backed up by like the brightest elements uh, around. And I, I wasn't really... affected by that, Tim. I don't have an OLED. Oh, so. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. that's the, the HD. <laughs> Whoa, baby. Uh, but like, I loved the choice at the end of the episode that is a rare thing, especially for an HBO show where it doesn't like cut to black and cut to credits, but it went from Ellie and Joel walking out into the white snow and it's like a slow fade to black. And I just love that. Like, it's almost as if the darkness is their light. You know, it's like, we look for the light, all this stuff. And like them going to the fireflies, like with one episode left here, I just thought that that was like such a cool little touch of editing there. Like uh, there's also contract. go ahead sorry no, no, no go ahead no what i was just saying that's say? like that's like multi-layered in a really cool way yeah i was just gonna say that i really enjoyed the i enjoyed the torture scene quite a bit like as mm. mess up as that says and or as that yeah. sounds there's a lot of bad um, it's revealing nice. of your heart sure yeah <laughs> I, again like i think this show gets probably too much criticism for being one-to-one because i feel like when you have really good source material to work off of why change a whole lot and i enjoy seeing what the show's version of all these things are um, and I just think that it was shot in a in a more interesting way, where it's a little bit be- it's a little bit better lit, right? We're in a room that isn't as dark as it was in the game, and we are watching these two people just completely plead for their lives. Thankfully, they are both tied up, right? Because in this in the game, there's that other dude who's just sitting in the back, not tied up, and you're like, might want to tie that guy. <laughs> yeah, want to tie that guy up too, Joel. Um, but I just really, really love the passion in Pedro's performance in this, like. It is so, it, it just jumps off the screen. This man is pissed off. Yeah. And again, you're waiting for that line as a fan of the game. You are waiting for the, no, I believe him. I don't yeah. like, yep. oh my gosh. When that moment hits, it fucking hits still somehow. And I feel like that's been the case for so many lines in the game where you're, you're, 
you automatically go in thinking there's no way it can compare, and it does, and it's amazing in its own perfect way. That plus the embracing Ellie toward the end of the episode where she comes out after she's met David and, like, you know, rocking and be like, it's okay, baby girl, it's okay. That hit, and I was... I was surprised by how how well it hit because I think you know one thing people have pointed out is the fact that in the game you have more time to have this connection with Ellie as Joel, right? Like you have segments where you are doing gameplay, where you're climbing shit, or like just walking through the world, and you have the back and forth, so you feel like you've really developed this relationship. But for me, I think the last couple of episodes have done just such a good job of setting up Joel as this person that really does not want to fail this mission because he's failed before, right? And I go back to the line of him saying keep failing in my sleep and him crying to Tommy that feels so well reflected in him again hugging Ellie crying with her being like hey it's okay baby girl it's okay uh um, holding a daughter you yeah know? it felt like he was holding a daughter baby girl. right because he was right, having that it. it felt like he was legitimately having that flashback to Sarah and being like no I don't want to lose I don't want to lose a person like this again yeah. Troy I mean there's nobody in the world that knows Joel better than you do what like in your opinion what is the key difference with Pedro's performance as Joel oh, man and, and here's what I love is I I know my version of Joel and and, not, and that's not meaning like my performance of him it's it's the um the the people that are, that are closest to us we know that version of them and somebody like I know I know my wife and I know my version of her right because that's the way that I've been able to experience her through the 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 experiences that we've had, the time that we've been together, but her dad knows her in a completely different way than I do, that I never will understand. It doesn't change who that person is. It's just, I have my perspective of her and that's who I have of Joel. And what I love is whenever Pedro comes in and has a challenging opposition to that and how I get to, if, if I want to stay opposite of it, then I can go, well, that's different. And that's not what I expected. But when I come to his side of the table on it, and I realize how inherently intrinsically Joel it is. He brings this physicality to it. And man, like, like that, when he comes in and he stabs Marco in the back, he is hanging on for dear life. And you see that it is taking every bit of his remaining strength and power to do that. And this is someone he could easily have, have overtaken. But just the sheer, I have to get up from here, and I have I have one shot at this, and if I don't get this neck in the, or this knife in this guy's neck, I don't think I can win this fight. He had to get that one sucker punch in, and he still has to hang on. And that look that he gives is just absolutely terrifying. Um, and I, I I'm I'm so impressed with his ability to sit in the confidence of the conviction of his own choices. Like he makes a choice. And he just sits in it and he can go vacant and it still is so just like he fills up those choices. There's a vulnerability that they that he also brings to this that I feel we have the opportunity in this version of it to show in the, in the same way that it doesn't make sense. And Craig talked about this in, in the previous episode too, where uh, or two back in episode six, if, you know, Joel were to fall off, you know, in this world, Joel to fall off a two-story, you know, landing and have rebarb go through. <laughs> he goes, 10 out of 10 times he's dead. There's just no, he's no walking away from that. But in the game, that gives us such a great different perspective because we are, we are transitioning over from playing as Joel to now playing as Ellie. And we didn't have the benefit of Left Behind to kind of be that buffer. And 
to see that you know the, your your vision is going out as you're playing and you're seeing now Ellie pick up and she's fighting for you and she's saying Joel you got to get up you got to run that works perfectly for the game in in the show we we don't have to do that so we have this opportunity to incapacitate Joel and if you get stuck with a baseball bat shard of a baseball bat in the abdomen in that world chances of survival are almost nil unless you were able to somehow get some medicine and a miracle which is what Ellie's is able to get but for me the the biggest change that i love and this is a such a beautiful choice in the game joel comes in and he, he pulls ellie off of david and here to show the culmination of that retribution that ellie makes we have no idea how long she's stayed there. We have no idea. It's not like Joel instantly came right at the tail end of that. Who, who knows how long? And if you played that level, it's one of my least favorite levels because it's just I got lost every time in that blinding snowstorm. <laughs> and I was, I was sitting next to Neil while, while Joel's walking around and then I was going bang, 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 bang. <laughs> it was like follow the bells. Um, we didn't have that, right? So it's what I love too is it, with the color palette you're talking about, Tim, it's also quiet. Snow makes things quiet. And so we needed to bring everything down. And so to have this moment where Ellie just opens up the door, doesn't come bursting out of it. She just opens up the door and she's got blood all over her face. She's seemingly in her most vulnerable. But when Joel finds her, what I, what I saw was that Joel didn't save Ellie. Ellie saved Joel. Um, Everything that he did, everything that he fought for to get to her and again it's this moment of i'm failing i'm i failed you again i couldn't protect you from that and that to me is also going to set up stuff that comes not only in the last episode but also in uh in, in the next season but it was just the most beautiful choice and we still all we needed to hear was the baby girl because now that is something that has been lying dormant in him for 20 years that he is allowing himself to realize this is who I am, not who I think I can be, not who I want to be, but it's who I am. I've always been a dad in the same way that one of the best parallels that, that I, I, I see is, as far as a parent is with Maria, because that moment that we got in episodes uh, six, when we're in Jackson is looking up on the mantle and seeing there is a monument to Sarah and there's a monument to Kevin. And that Maria lost a daughter, Maria lost a son, uh, a child as well. What she did, though, is that she held on to her parental instincts. She retained the role of being a mom, whereas Joel abdicated it. And that, to me, is like, again, an example of how everybody in this story somehow serves as a counterpoint to Joel or Ellie. Troy, you you brought some uh, pictures that you wanted uh, to talk about. Do you want to... Bring them up in see, any yes, order. Know, well, let's see what we're looking at. Um, and again, Vix, but this is one of my favorites. This was uh, in better times, um, but this was right after we had uh, shot that fateful scene. And we're on a soundstage behind us is base camp there. And we realized that we've been spending a month together and Bella and I never took a picture together. And I was just like, hey, are you cool? Can we, can we take a picture? And Bella was so kind. And we were in this while they were in between setups and stuff. Bella surprised me with her taste of music. Um, 
we were cranking um Aerosmith's don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> and so just we're sitting here covered in blood and getting ready, you know, to, to go into a different set. And we're like, don't want to close my eyes. Um, I am. Well, you have awe. a massive gash in your neck. <laughs> there is a massive <laughs> gash in my out. neck. It's like this. It's not so much here, but it's here. Um, it's a Tommy there, Boy reference, everybody. Tommy Boy reference. <laughs> <laughs> Bella is. From the first time that I saw Bella, I knew that that there was just something remarkable going on with this human. And the intensity, care, and love that both Bella and Pedro both have embraced these roles um, has been something that, that really hits my heart. Um, because I cannot imagine more loving and capable hands for these characters to be in moving forward. Um, but this is the episode to me that really Bella got to flex. Like you could look at episode seven, the left behind episode, and there's a lot of drama, but man, every note is just hit with this deafness of skill. The, when, when, when Ellie's waking up, is like, let me, let me get me the fuck out of here. There's so much of Ashley that I still see in those performances, which is Ellie. You know, Ashley, the, the foundation of, of Ellie is inextricably tied to Ashley Johnson in a beautiful way. And for Bella to not even be aware of that, but just inherently, that means that the two of them are connected to the soul of who Ellie is. Um, but everything culminating up to the, the fear and the vulnerability that, and the power of when she's holding that rifle. I'm also with a group, or I'm with a large group, also hungry. To go from that note to you tell them that Ellie is the little girl who broke your fucking finger. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it still gives me goosebumps. It's just like, it's so powerful. Um, but I, I oh man, everybody was like, I don't, I don't see Bella Ramsey as Ellie. What now, y'all? What now? <laughs> yeah. What la- now? Last, I think Left Behind was my uh one of my favorites is i barely watched it yesterday i hadn't watched it since last week so yesterday i had the one two punch left behind and this oh just beautiful uplifting night (laughs) (laughs) um but the um yeah i feel like we haven't i i feel like until joel or or until joel (laughs) until troy just talked about bella we hadn't really given her the credit that she's deserved in this episode because i feel like at this point it's just it feels like it's expected because we've seen her kill it since uh i think maybe like episode four is where she kind of really fell into um feeling like oh she's nailing this and she's going to continue to nail this and we have nothing to worry about right i think this episode the intensity in those moments the fear shown through just facial reactions god damn this is it's it's straight up just master class type acting i mean the moment where at the very end where she hugs joel and like i was just about to say that man thank you it's just so good but there's one specific little quirk of her face where she it almost looks like she's laughing like there's like just one little like Mm. breath out there where she's like it's just like such a like she's so scared but she's so now feeling love and like feeling like this is going to be okay, but also just like so ramped up. But there's this moment of almost laughter that I just thought was like so great. And that's the type of thing that like you, you either got it or you don't. And she got it. The thing that I, I, I love about what Bella did in that moment is it's, and it's so it's instinctual. My son who's almost five 
if if something happens to him, there's just this default thing of I, I don't know I want to be up with you. It's just it's if I fall down or I hurt or something scared me or something like it's a lot of times he's like, I'm good, I'm okay. Or we go like this if we're okay. He sometimes he's just like uh, and, and it's there's there's no conscious choice to it. It's just something that a that a child does with their parent. And Bella comes out or Ellie comes out and, and there's trying to be this explanation of like, uh, the, the, and it's just, <laughs> and then for Joel to then embrace, it's that to me, you can't direct that. You can't teach somebody that. That is something that is purely instinctual and that shows how Bella is just tapped in, dropped in to who Ellie is and who Ellie is in that moment. It's just phenomenal. Phenomenal. Barrett, are there other uh, pictures to bring up? So, oh, no. oh Jesus! <laughs> um, oopsie! The, the, I really want to, and I'm, I feel terrible for not being able to uh, have name ready at the uh, the entire visual effects team um, uh, or special effects team. Sorry, was incredible. The thing that I was not prepared for, uh, in addition to um, spending that day hours in the makeup chair, uh, was that haircut. And that's probably the worst. Um, you look like they, my dad. <laughs> there you go. Um, they were like, I was like, how is this going to work? Or like, we are going to have, you know, the, the cleaver needs to stay there. Because the problem is that it always looks like it just wobbles around. Mm. And so they had this this plastic, um, you know, piece that they put. That's that's like a... Um, those aren't my, uh, that's, that's my body, but that is a, a, a piece of prosthetic that goes over here that not only has a plastic piece with a uh, magnet in it to take that cleaver, but then also feed through a, a tube with a bladder of blood. That's what they called it. And there was some dude off to the side that was like, when you say go, I'm, I'm going to hit this air pump. Everyone has a cabinet. And there's a great... Uh, somebody behind Video Village were like, you're going to want to see this because I don't know if this is going to make it in the edit, but it's like the full James cut of when that cleaver goes in to release all the, the way James down cut. everything. It's yeah, release the James cut. Uh, it was great, but I, I was like, I got to get a picture of this. And there's even a worse picture afterwards of them taking it out because you have to like peel away the prosthetic and now it's all bloody and gross. It looks real. And I, even watching, I was like, <laughs> I was just not good. I was going to say, you know, obviously a great job with all the night or with the, with the hatchet and the cleaver and the neck and the blood. Great job uh, to the special effects team. But I think an even bigger props is owed to, yeah, the hair and makeup team for making just. Troy somehow like, just conventionally attractive as opposed to oh, yeah. attractive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I, I'll never very, forget very when I watched that on like set. I go through nine instead of a ten. <laughs> she. I, I came out and uh, we, they brought me through, you know, wardrobe. And they were like, you know, here's the outfit that we think we're going to go with. And, of course, we needed to go uh, into breakdown, which is how they, like, make it look distressed and old and dirty and not like it just got bought from the gap. It was like, so we just need to do the full breakdown. And Craig goes, yeah, break down this because this doesn't last five minutes in the apocalypse. Get rid of this. It. I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, in that first shot where you're in the snow and you are talking to David and he's like, hey, I, I noticed some doubt in there. That little conversation, I'm like, wow, Troy, he looks just like us. <laughs> he looks just like us. <laughs> he he is special. like us. That's great. So we're Go running out of time here. Do we? Is there right. more pictures to bring up? 
Um, this is a beautiful, so this is out in Waterton, uh, which is one of the locations that we shot was, was a little bit out of the way of, of Calgary. And we basically took over this town and it is a national wildlife reserve. So we have to go in there and we reduce the crew to as, as low as we could, which Craig or Neil could probably tell you the accurate number, but we, we went from about a thousand people to about 300. Um, but this is just, that's snow. Like, that's not like, oh, let's, let's build this up. We took over this town. We changed the name of it. Um, and they built, there's times when, when we first walk in and you first see David, uh, reading from revelations that's in this town, this actual building that we built to be, uh, or, or, or fashioned to be Todd's steakhouse. But then like when we're in there later with the slap and everything else, that's 100% a soundstage. Mm. And it's incredible how that just seeing the picture helps to set this up. But this was just a beautiful, pristine shot of you could see how these people came to this place and were like, we're going to make it like we're at a resort town. Why would this not be absolutely our saving grace? And that's the thing that I think a lot of people can maybe make the, 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 the logic leap here is that there's a whole scene in the script where we first get there in the summer. And so we see this beautiful lakeside resort town and we're like, we're good. And so when David says, we didn't expect the winter to be this cruel. You realize that these people, and you, you get to see James, and James looked like, you know, they're all fresh-faced and, and bright-eyed That's and cool. sunny. We're like, we made it through the apocalypse. And then you cut to that bleak, harsh winter, and you realize these people were one winter into the worst versions of themselves. Wow. I don't think we're going to get a better end than that, everybody. <laughs> Troy, thank you so much, Ryan. Congrats pleasure, again. I, I'm so impressed. I can't believe that uh, you continue to have this much success and take every opportunity you get and just knock it out of the park. Thank you so much for everything that you've done. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, at my house, uh, but don't come here. Mm -hmm. That's not cool. Um, you, you find me on social at official Troy Baker, um, on the Insta and Troy Baker VA on, on the Twitters every once in a while. Uh, but pretty much pick up a controller, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll somehow in some way try to be there as much as I can. Uh, but thank you guys. You, you have been incredibly kind. I love the conversations that you're having. And this is the best part of this show is that it's been spawning these kind of conversations so to all the new people who haven't played the game or just not watching the show welcome to the conversation welcome to a decade of us wrestling with this thing and i can't wait for you guys to see what happens next week i love it man we're gonna have to get you here in the spare bedroom live sometime soon hell yeah open invite of course you know that uh let us know in the comments below what you thought of this episode and how excited you are for the finale next week of course we'll be here live at 9 a.m on youtube.com slash kind of funny to react to that and i can't officially say anything about this yet because i don't have official confirmation confirmation but i think we have a second cool episode coming out next week oh, that you might oh, want to just oh, be excited for i might be please back be excited please be excited <laughs> but, uh, be until next time i love you all goodbye